Welcome to episode 9 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on December 4th, 2016. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am also 50% of this here show. With me, as always, is one of the staff writers from GameCritics.com, Corey Motley. How's it going, Corey? Brad, I'm good. I know it's only been a week, but I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah, you know, it feels like it has been an extra long time. I mean, I don't know. It's not the holidays, because we talked about the holidays last time. Just It just feels like it's been a long time. I don't know what the deal is. And maybe it's because so much video game shit has happened since the last time we recorded. It just seems like there's extra lot of stuff for us to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot, 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 lot. So before we get into that, though... As usual, we do start the show with a few minutes of bullshit banter that's not game-related. Corey, what do you got? Uh, I have two things. Uh, First thing is, yesterday it snowed here for the first time, so I know you guys don't really get a lot of snow, or really, do you guys ever get snow in Seattle? We do sometimes, and when we do, it's a fucking catastrophe, because we get it (laughs) so rarely, the city has no official way of responding to it, and we have a lot of hills, really, really steep hills in Seattle, so a lot of car wrecks and a lot of like really bad accidents happen when it snows. Thankfully, it doesn't happen too often. I hate it. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because we just might get some this week. But hopefully not. But tell me about your snow. Did you make a snow angel? Did you go sledding? Uh, no. Tobogganing? I did not do any. Well, I was going to say I didn't do anything, but that's a lie. Yesterday it snowed like all day. And uh, I live in the Midwest for the listeners who don't know. So, you know, it's pretty. I've lived through snow my entire life. And uh Yesterday was the first big day. It snowed all day, and it was like that really like thick, wet, dense snow. So, of course, yesterday I picked the day to go grocery shopping. Of course, not on a day of when course. it's not snowing. Yeah. Of course. Because, you know, I, it's one of those like end-of-the-world things where I'm like, oh, God, it's snowing. I have to go buy stuff to make food for six weeks so I can survive in case I'm trapped indoors forever. Oh, are you that guy? No, are I know. Are you that guy? I, I'm, not, I'm not really that guy. It just kind of happened that way. Um, but, uh... Oh. Patrick you know, it's I- funny you say that. It's funny you say that because I went grocery shopping today and actually we are supposed to get snow tomorrow and every single person in Seattle was in my grocery store today. It took me like 45 <laughs> minutes to get through the checkout line. It was ridiculous. I mean, uh, anyway, it's going to it's going to snow for one day. We will all be alive the next day. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was here, too. Like I woke up today thinking the roads are going to be a fucking mess and that it was going to be a disaster. But like I woke up this morning and looked out the window and it literally looks like it had barely snowed at all. Like all the snow plows had come through. The streets are there. The streets are wet, but there's not snow or ice everywhere. There's just like snow in the grass on people's lawns. So, you know, it was like the one day blow over where I freak out and everything. Um but thankfully, it's kind of over with for now, but I'm sure there'll be a lot more coming later. Um, the weird thing about the Midwest is, like, for the past few years, it's been... It, it, look, we've had really mild winters, I'm sure, you know, climate change and all that stuff has to do something with it. But it always snows a shit ton in, like, February. So we, like, ride out the whole, like, winter, like, pretty good until the very end of winter. And then it snows so much, like, at the end of January and February. So I hope that doesn't happen this year, but uh, I guess... Uh, I'll just have to get back to you whenever that time rolls around, and we'll see about it. Is it pretty flat where you are, like, topographically? Um, it is, but there are definite um, areas around Omaha where there are, like, some pretty big hills, um, just kind of here and there. Um, like, going into the main part of town around 72nd Street, um, there's, like, a pretty big hill that goes down into 72nd, and, like, my neighborhood is kind of, like... 
a little higher than everything else. So last year, whenever it snowed, like in January, I uh, I couldn't even get into my neighborhood because my car doesn't handle snow very well. So I had to park like five blocks away from my apartment and just leave my car parallel parked right outside my neighborhood and then like call into work for two days because I could not get up these little hills into my uh, into my neighborhood. So it was kind of a disaster, even though it wasn't even that much snow. No, that's totally what happens in Seattle. We have a lot of really like super steep hills in Seattle for people that don't know. And when it snows, like a lot of those hills just get shut off because if anybody tries to go down them, it's just like, you know, they just go like rocketing down the hill and they can't <laughs> stop. And like people like die. And yeah, it's really it's, terrible. It's really scary. Yeah, it's really bad. So, I mean, at least it's not super hillish like it is here because uh, it's, it's terrible. And uh, it, like you said, it only takes an inch or two. And I know that a lot of people like an inch or two. So what? I mean, you know, if you're from Canada or Alaska or, you know, the Northeast or something, you think that's a joke. But like it really hits us really hard. And it's just, you know, it's just lame. We're just not a city that can handle it really well. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to dominate your snow talk. No, go ahead. That's go ahead. Good. What um, else you got besides snow? What else is happening? Uh, the other thing, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, too, is um, I went to a nice little dinner party at uh, Patrick, his coworkers at the plant. I'm a guy that he works with. They had like a little pizza night and like he and his fiance and me and Patrick and two of their other coworkers and their daughter went over and it was cute because they live out in West Omaha, which is like, um, that's where like a lot of the subdivisions are and like the nice houses and like they have a really nice house out there. And like he used to work at Papa John's before he worked at a nuclear power plant. So he like knows how to make pizzas really well. Um, and so it was cool because like we were all over there and he like had all the toppings out and had like the countertop floured down and like ready for us to go so we just like made our own big pizzas and uh and it was just nice like because i i'm not like super social so it was kind of like my one like extroverted night a month like kind of being out and doing things with people i don't know very well but uh they also have and this is kind of what we'll talk about later um jay who is the guy that owns the house and kate his fiance um they have an htc vive so i tried a vr for the very first time at their house the other night and i am fucking pumped to talk to you about it but uh i, I don't talk about it yet because oh, we're gonna get there shit. but um we'll talk about it in a minute but tell me tell me what's going on with you Corey's vr cherry has been popped yes. you heard it here folks oh yeah this episode of the so video games podcast we're gonna get into it oh dear uh, oh, as for me, just real quickly, um, I've been a fan of pretty much all the Marvel TV and movies that have come out. You know, a longtime comics fan. I used to actually run a couple comic shops back in the day, back in my other lifetime. And as somebody who has been a comics fan for many, many, many years, uh, it's been fantastic to see how many great quality shows have come out. And I know some people bitch and moan, oh, these are, oh, these are boring, you know, blockbusters, or oh, this TV show wasn't that great. But you know what? Compared to what we used to get, this shit is fucking, like, Oscar class. So I'm really thrilled with all the high-quality stuff. I just finished watching Luke Cage on Netflix. Have you seen Luke Cage? Do you know about it? Are you, uh, do you watch any of those shows, Corey? I know what all of the Marvel shows are. I've only watched about half of Daredevil Season 1 and, like, two or three episodes of Jessica Jones. And that's not a reflection on the quality of shows. It's kind of a reflection on my attention span and how i decide to use my time but i definitely know like what luke cage is and what the rest of the shows are right on right on well i just i just wrapped it up it took me forever because of just life and being busy and being tired and it's only 13 episodes but we just me and my wife managed to stretch it out to like three months or something like that it was kind of a joke (laughs) but we just finished it and i gotta say it was really good I know a lot of people were kind of down on it uh, for various reasons but i found it to be really refreshing um, because it's so different um, you know, for those who don't know, Luke Cage is a black superhero. He's basically bulletproof and he's super strong. 
and he in this particular show he lived in harlem and he was kind of like in the neighborhood and he was friends with a lot of people and he was kind of solving neighborhood problems he doesn't have a superhero outfit he just wears like you know jeans and a hoodie and just walks around like a normal guy and the thing that i really liked about it was that he just was a normal guy like he had superpowers sure but you know he didn't like go out and try to like stop diabolical plots i mean he wasn't doing anything crazy he was just like man, I'm bulletproof, but I'm just in this neighborhood and I want to just, you know, keep to myself and be left alone and all this shit keeps happening. And so he tries to get to the bottom of it like a normal guy kind of would, you know, if he had superpowers. And it was just neat, just the way that he related to other people, the way that he just was kind of so down to earth, the way that he didn't have a costume, the way that the neighborhood of Harlem was so important to the series. I thought it was just a really, really interesting spin on superheroes. And I guess people are saying that Marvel is kind of like, separating itself into three tiers there's like the street level superheroes which is like luke cage there's like the global superheroes which would be like iron man and then there's like the cosmic superheroes which would be i don't know guardians of the galaxy i guess or whatever so it was a really interesting street level look at you know what it might be like if you had ended up with with superpowers one day but you were just a normal guy i thought it was a great show i thought it was great it maybe didn't need 13 episodes i think netflix in general is kind of guilty of uh bloating their independent series i think they could often cut a few episodes out but i just thought it was great man i thought it was really uh nice to get a totally different spin on superheroes that was really well done so i like that quite a bit um also just a really really quick shout out uh game related to binary domain if you follow me on twitter you probably saw me tweeting about this earlier but my uh, my son was playing this today and i was i played it before and i really liked it a lot but i haven't played it for a couple of years and I watched him go through it again, and I'm like, dude, this game is the fucking best. Binary <laughs> Domain is fucking excellent. It looks beautiful on 360. Like, it still looks like the shit. And the gameplay is really tight. The story is great. The voice acting is great. It's really complex and has some depth for a shooter. It's got, like, team mechanics. I'm like, this game is the fucking bomb, dude. And, like, it, it got, like, zero love when it came out. I mean, granted, the title is kind of generic. But... It's such an amazing game. Um, we haven't really discussed this on the show, but one topic that I've been kind of kicking around for future, and maybe we'll get the listeners involved in this also, is I, I kind of want to talk about what what are the new modern classics. Like if you talk about older generations, you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, Super Mario World or, uh, you know, Super Metroid or, you know, one of those, you know, those old timey games, which are totally classics. But, you know, time moves on and games move on. And I feel like there's a whole new set of more recent classics that we should be talking about or that we should like you know try to canonize and get those into everybody's lexicon for those who want to like you know educate themselves about what quality games are so i think um we we may talk about that i've been i've been itching to for a while and binary domain reminded me of that i think for me it's one of the modern classics and i feel like it's it's really 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 ignored so i'm not going to talk about it too much now but you can get it for like two bucks three bucks it's on steam it's on 360. I believe it's on PS3. Uh, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful game. It gets my highest recommendation. So I'm sure we'll get into it at some point in the future. But that is great. And going through it with my son just made it awesome. He's loving it too. So anyway, um, I think we've really exceeded our banter quota. <laughs> but before we finish, let's just segue into the chat. I mean, this is kind of an unusual show because we're getting a little bit more topical. People will understand what I mean by that in a little while. But before we get into the meat of the show, let, let's uh, circle back to popping that VR cherry, bro. Oh, you got God. your you got your first VR kiss. Tell us all about it. How was it? Uh, okay, so 
All right, let me let me dive headfirst into VR. So don't hold any details back. I want the gory details, okay. all of it. Well, if you want the, the really smell, f- everything, the f- everything. The funniest detail is probably the fact that uh, whenever we were sitting at the dinner table eating pizza, Jay was like, "Have you done VR before?" And I was like, "No, I've never tried it before." And he was like, "Okay, well then I'll have to pick out some stuff to ease you in." To which I replied in front of everybody at the dinner table, Jade, this isn't gay sex, it's VR. You don't have to ease me into it. Oh, uh, did everybody get uncomfortably quiet for a minute? No, I I think uh, nobody was really listening to me, so that was was probably like a plus (laughs) Oh, that's a shame, that's a shame. No, I mean, I I was okay with that. Um, But, uh, okay, so, Jay and kate um they're probably gonna listen to this show this show so i just want to say thank you a ton for letting me try out your vr um they have an htc vive which is the most expensive vr platform as far as i know on the market it is eight hundred dollars compared to so so they got a good job basically is what you're saying well yeah i mean he works at a nuclear power plant and uh with my partner patrick and i mean they make a lot of money there so uh they um they have a an HTC Vive and they have it running on a like on a high end PC like his PC tower case is like the size of like a couch cushion it's like huge and uh, uh, so we went down his basement is kind of like uh, kind of like a game room sort of there's like a big screen TV and the computer and the computer tower case and like a couch and a pool table and there's like this perfect little like square slab off to the side where he has the VR stuff set up because. The HTC Vive, how it works, it has two, and if you, I'm late to the VR game, so if I'm explaining this and listeners are like, "Oh yeah, duh, that's common knowledge," um, forgive me because this is my first time with VR. Um, but HTC Vive has two like light boxes that go up in the corners because it measures like infrared. Um, your like whole movement because the Vive is more about getting up and moving in VR as opposed to the Oculus and PSVR are kind of more about sitting down on the couch and just using it kind of like secondarily to what you're playing as far as i know but i've only tried htc so um that's as far as i can tell you so the way they had it set up it was like this square off to the side of the room and you put the headset on and he gave me headphones to put on to you know filter the noise through and block out you know external noise and i had each one of the hand controller things um and i mean that was basically it like i was set up in the corner of the room and the little square cut out and then when he fired it up his like lobby looks like the simpsons living room so you're just like standing in the living room like looking at um you know bart simpson's couch and whatnot and then he fires up like the steam menu and then kind of puts me into the games and honestly it felt like whenever neo is in the matrix and he's getting like introduced to all of it the part where they like jab the needle in his head and he's like he start he's like oh i I just learned Kung Fu. And then he's like, right, yeah. right. Like, that's what it felt like, honestly. When he's like, hell yeah, give it to me. Like, that's what I felt like. I was just like, oh my God, I want to stay here forever and like play all of these games because it was so cool and something I had never done before. Um, so I, play, I played seven games, but uh, or sampled, I should say. But is there any is there anything I left out that you want to know before I jump into the games, Brad? Well, no, no, I think that sounds pretty good. But one thing that I do want to know about, and uh, I mean, I guess first off, it's a well, two part. First off, like how was the comfort level and like how was it moving in vr because i don't know if you've seen any of those youtube videos but there's like a million videos already of jackasses who are like falling over or tripping or they get scared and they fall backwards like in real like in real life you know so i number one how did the equipment feel how did it feel to be in that equipment and walk around in an actual space and then um maybe at the end 
I want to know how you felt because I've heard a lot of people say that they feel tired or that it requires a lot more energy than just playing a game. And I've, I've, I've done all the VR stuff myself, but not for any significant length of time. And certainly not to the point of where I would be like, you know, putting a couple hours into them. But for you, if you played all that, I want to know how it felt. But we'll get to that at the end. But how was how was the the helmet and the the, the cod piece and the the shield and the, <laughs> the 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 pitchfork and all that stuff that you had that goes along with it? Well, I mean, it was only the headset and then the headphones, which the headphones don't have anything to do with the VR. It was just his own headphones and then the two hand controllers. But the headset was fine. I mean, it was kind. Of, it was a little bit heavy and it felt a little awkward as soon as you put it on. But sort of like after you had had it on, it's kind of like wearing glasses for the first time. Like you notice they're there for about three minutes. And then once you keep looking through them, you just kind of forget they're there. That's kind of how I felt about the headset. The only thing that bothered me about the headset is that um, it, it's not wireless. And I pr- there's probably some like thousand dollar wireless kit out there for it at this point or something. But um it's not wireless, so you have all these cords coming out of the back of the headset that are basically just running down to the ground of the tower case. And so I had to be very cognizant of how I was stepping. And luckily, I mean, I could kind of feel them going down my back. So if they were getting wrapped around my legs, I could kind of step out of them. And I wasn't, I didn't like trip or fall down or like run into the walls or anything. So luckily, um, you know, I had enough, I guess, um, like feeling to know like when the cable was kind of like around my legs or something. Um, but that was probably the most awkward thing was just putting the helmet on initially and feeling like the cables around me because the, the controllers are wireless. And whenever you have the headset on, you can see outlines of the controllers no matter where they are. And, and all of it had zero lag. And I don't know if that's because the HTC is so good or because his computer is so good or whatever it was, but like that there was literally no lag at all whenever I was moving the controllers around in front of my in front of the headset and I could see them in the game and so it felt like really smooth and really good. Does that answer your questions? Yeah, okay, that sounds pretty good. I mean, to me, I think the idea of moving around in a room while connected to cables sounds a little dangerous and uh, and and also before we get too far, I do want to apologize. I didn't mean to call people jackasses for falling over. As soon as I said it, I'm like, you know that that didn't quite <laughs> capture what I meant. Um, you might look like a jackass, but you don't. You not. You are not a jackass because if if I was wearing a helmet and I got scared, I probably would jump backwards and fall down too. So apologies for that, folks. Let me retract that real quick. And that does answer my question. But tell us, um, tell us about the game. What was the best thing you played, or what was the most amazing thing you played, or what was it like? Um. Okay. Well, the best thing I played um, is called the Brookhaven Experiment, and it is like a, it's kind of like a zombie shooter like a horde mode kind of zombie shooter and i only did one level of it because this was whenever i was like 70 percent through it and uh we were kind of like winding down the night and i'm mad because i wanted to play it like a ton i probably could have played that game for like hours but uh i only played like two waves of one level and in that one the, the level i played you're basically standing in the hallway of this kind of like gross it looks like an insane asylum that is like has burned down partially because there's like a fire in one room in front of you and there's like two hallways on the sides and you're not running around or anything you're just standing in one place but i think you can like move a little bit within like the area that you're in but i just kind of stood in one spot because i didn't need to move but i mean basically the idea is you're sitting there you have a knife at the beginning in your left hand and after you get like the first melee kill for the zombie that comes up they give you a gun and so you have a knife in the left hand gun in the right hand and you can basically i mean there's just like zombies that kind of shamble down and you can shoot them and after each uh after each wave you can buy upgrades if you want depending on your score 
Um, like I bought like a la- I bought a new gun and I bought a laser for my gun, a laser sight to help me out. Um, but the thing that was cool about it that made me feel so like nerdy and stupid, but also made me feel like the coolest guy in the world is uh, as soon as I got the gun and the knife combo, I and I hope you know what I'm talking about whenever I'm going to describe this. And my left hand, the knife hand, I actually flipped the controller upside down and held it upside down and held my gun and knife in Solid Snake's stance from Metal Gear Solid 3, the, <laughs> the one that Ocelot makes fun of him for when he has like the knife held up against the pistol grip. Yeah, And yeah. It, it felt so stupid, but it felt so amazing because that's something that like you absolutely cannot do in any game. And it just felt really cool to have the freedom to be able to move either one of my hands however I wanted to. Like I could be like swiping a zombie to my left while aiming and shooting at one to my right. And that's literally like you cannot do that in another experience. And it sounds really trivial, because if you were playing a normal first-person shooter, you'd just say, okay, we'll just turn to your left and shoot the one zombie and turn to the right and shoot the other one. But it just felt so cool to have complete freedom. And another game that I played was kind of like... A, it was it was in a game called The Lab, which is a Steam game that kind of has like a small compilation of games inside of it. And it was called Zortex. And it's kind of like a bullet hell. Like there's like little spaceships flying around you and you have to shoot them. And you have a shield in one hand and you have a, an assortment of guns in the other hand. And it was neat because... Um, you all you had to do was hold your hand behind your back and like press a button on the controller and it would get your shield out. And at first I got my shield in my right hand and I was like, well, I want my shield in my left hand. And Jay was like, well, then just put it back with your right hand and then grab it with your left hand. And I was like, oh my God, what a, what a novel idea. So I like reached my hand behind my back with my right hand and then reached behind my back with my left hand and pulled out the shield. And you can switch the shield to have like a tether thing where you can like grab the little robots and throw them. And uh, it was cool because I could move the shield however I wanted. Like, I was, like, crossing the shield over one part of my body and, like, aiming, like, the laser gun over the other part of my body. And, I mean, again, it sounds trivial, but just, like, the 100% complete freedom of being able to move my arms however I wanted while playing a shooter was... I mean, it's not, like, groundbreaking or game-changing, but it just felt so nice because after playing video games for, you know, 20 years... And being able to experience that for the first time, it just felt really cool to have complete freedom over my limbs and, you know, how I dodged and how I held the shield and how I held the gun and all that stuff. And um, it just felt, I don't know, it felt so nice. Um, like, well, let me freedom. let me ask you this, Corey. That sounds great. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, but the thing that I kind of get stuck on and I mean, maybe this will change over time. And of course, it's a little bit early to be saying this. I, I realize that. But when I hear stuff like what you're saying or when I look at other VR games myself it's all like really 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 super basic and I feel like you know I mean we are literally in the infancy of this technology and so when I see like yeah I'm shooting zombies and you know there's like a jillion games you can do that with with a regular regular console or something I mean once you get past that novelty of having the freedom I mean it just seems like I mean, did you feel like they were basically like like just tech demos right now or did you feel like there was more to them than that like do they feel like actual genuine games yet or are they still too soon for that no the games i played i mean 100 percent totally felt like tech demos i mean most of them like the lab game that had like the space shooter that was like basically like a compilation of like completed tech demos kind of and the brookhaven experiment the zombie one i mean it felt like a tech demo i don't know if um once you get to the other levels if you like have complete freedom to move around or if you actually like go through a campaign level or something because i didn't play it that long um 
but one that I did play, which was uh, it was a tutorial level for a game that's still in development. It's called Budget Cuts. Um, that was more of a campaign, but I mean, it still felt kind of tech demo-y. But it, it, it's this game where you play in like an office building, and there's like robots on patrol, and it's kind of like a spy infiltration game where you kind of have to you have to like look for keys to open lock boxes to open doors in the environment and you use instead of walking around in real life it actually has like a it's kind of like the blink mechanic from dishonored where like you hold the left controller out in front of you and you point it you hold a button and it shows an arc about where the button's gonna end kind of like if you're throwing a grenade in a game or something and then you like let go of the button and it like teleports you there so instead of you know walking around an entire house in the vr helmet you kind of like teleport to places and then you walk around within that small space and i feel like that's sort of like more along the lines of the right way to go for vr if you're looking for like a standing vr experience and not something where you're just sitting on the couch and um you know and pointing a a joystick about where you want to go um that felt a little more like realistic and a little more um uh immersive i guess and so, like when the robots run patrol you had to like duck down behind the counter like physically duck down and like lift your head up and look over the counter and it just felt cool because it was so, it was so different than you know just like tilting a joystick up to look up like you actually had to like get down on the ground and and look up yeah. and you know peek around the corner and uh i don't know it just felt cool because it's something i've never really experienced before and um it was, it was well, really this- neat this is a perfect lead into the question that I kind of referenced earlier. Um, so, <laughs> number one, I think the teleport thing is a big workaround for people to avoid nausea. I've heard a lot of uh, people say teleporting is okay, but actually walking makes people sick. And I don't know that people have necessarily totally solved the nausea thing. Uh, so I think that's, that's we're probably going to see a lot of those teleportation uh, mechanics in games for the time being. Uh, but, but, but getting back to kind of what you're saying about the ducking and the looking up and okay, this is going to sound like really just like, re- it's going to make me sound like really lazy and out of shape and terrible. <laughs> but like, I kind of don't want to like get up and like duck and get up and duck and move and move my arms and run. Like, you know, I mean, I, I, I got a job. Like I work, I work a couple of different gigs. I have a family. I do a lot of stuff for game critics. I'm a pretty busy guy. And when I finally get some time to play game, like the idea of like, being i mean this sounds awful it sounds awful to me and i'm saying it it's like the idea of like being active to play game like does not sound appealing at all like i don't want to get up i don't want to move my arm i don't want i just want to sit down on my fucking couch and play game right like do you do you feel like i mean number one were you tired or did you play long enough to get tired but also do you feel like that makes it feel like a totally different thing like would you get the same kind of like chill out relaxation enjoyment or is it more like oh i'm active i'm i'm energized i want to go do something fun and I'm going to put on VR because, I mean, did it feel different to you in that way? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it a different quality of experience? Yeah, I mean, it's totally, uh, in, in my opinion, and in the physical regard of how the HTC Vive wants you to move, I think it's on a different level. It's sort of like um, when, like, the Wii first came out and everybody was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I get to stand up and, like, wave my arms around with the controllers and I mean, it kind of wore off because it is kind of a workout. Like, um, and you know, the, there's definitely the audience of gamers that just wants to sit on the couch. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm totally that audience of gamer. Like, I love just sitting on the couch, playing video games, like laying back, whatever. So it feels sort of like, you know, sort of maybe like more of like a dance dance revolution experience where you like ha- literally have to get your entire body into it. I mean, I'm sure there's couch games for the HTC Vive, but all the ones I played were like 
stand up and move. And that's actually something I kind of liked about it because I could see myself going to my PlayStation 4 for X kind of gaming experience and then going to my VR for Y kind of gaming experience, one that actually gets me up and moving and is more of kind of like a fun workout in a way rather than just one where you sit on the couch. And I understand that not everybody wants to do that, but um, I loved it. But I also don't know if I $800 love it because the HTC Vive is expensive and you also have to have like a pretty bitchin' PC to even run, like use it and run it and run the games. So, uh, I mean, if you have a ton of spare cash around, like, sure. And, like, the space in your, you know, living quarters. Well, yeah, the space. I mean, if you guys, I don't know what the real estate market is out where you guys are, but in Seattle, the real estate is fucking bonkers, dude. And, like, you know, this was was something that came up when Microsoft originally introduced um, the Xbox One. I don't know if people remember, but I actually went to Microsoft for the debut of the One uh, back in the day. And it was, like, everybody on that side of... Washington. It's not in Seattle. It's in Redmond, which is outside of Seattle. And people are rich there. And everybody has like a gigantic house. And people have lots of space because everybody's rich. And that's not how normal people live. And when we went there for that, it seemed pretty obvious that everybody who was working on the Xbox One at that time must have been pretty well off because they designed the Kinect to require like so much fucking space. Like you had to have this giant room. And all of us broke ass game journalists were looking at each other like, who's got room for this? Like we don't the room for the Connect is bigger than my entire apartment. How am I going to play this? And that kind of sounds like what's going on with the Vive. Like, it sounds cool, and I've tried it before, and I think it is cool, but I don't have space for it. I don't know who... I mean, maybe if you're in a specific area of the country where you can afford an extra room, or maybe you just, you know, you just you live your life a certain way, you've got an extra room, then that's cool, but I don't know if that's going to work for a lot of people. And like you said, on top of the 800, on top of the PC, I mean, that's like... That's a lot of money, and that's a lot of resources going to playing games, right? Like... I don't know. It seems like a big commitment and maybe those requirements will come down with the passage of time. It seems like a really, really big buy-in. But as of right now, we're going to move on. But as of right now, based on your experience, your night of passion hmm. with the HTC Vive, uh, and I want to know who was on top. Tell me after the show. Oh, God. Um, do you, so you said you're not in for 800 bucks, but do you feel like you, you've been swayed? Are you now more on the side of becoming a VR convert? Well, the funny thing for me is I, uh, I I definitely see myself being on the path to being a VR convert, but like my stepping stone into VR, aside from the HTC Vive, would most likely end up being the the PS VR because it's the cheapest, and I already have a PlayStation and all that stuff. Like I could I could realistically see me and Patrick buying that somewhere down the line, even if it's a year from now or two years from now or you know whenever. But I have a feeling that the PSVR is going to give me a different kind of VR experience than the HTC Vive will. So it's kind of weird. It's almost like now we're going to have like the couch tier of VR and then we're going to have like the you need a spare bedroom to to house this thing like workout tier of VR. And I don't I mean, maybe I'm talking about stuff that people already know and this doesn't sound necessarily new or interesting, but like I hadn't considered that before when it came to VR. Like I knew you needed space for it. But I hadn't considered, like, the couch VR being a certain thing and then, like, you know, the get-up-and-move VR being the other thing. And so now I, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think that's, a, I, I think that you are not alone in thinking that. I think a lot of people are coming to VR that are that are just brand new to it or curious and don't know a lot. And, you know, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity to just mess around with one for the average person, I don't think. I mean, there's 
kiosks here and there, like in a Best Buy or something. But in general, I think a lot of people don't have that experience. So I think that's something that we are going to have to discover. And I'm glad that you said that because you actually just reminded me of a question I was going to ask you a while ago when we were planning the show. Um, I had recently read an article about uh, VR cafes that were springing up in Asia. I think it was South Korea, but I could be mistaken. But anyway, um, people who face the same issues that I just mentioned, like maybe you don't have enough money to have that whole setup. And, you you know, people in Asia are packed in pretty tight. You certainly probably don't have like a whole extra room available to devote to VR. So these people are going to like, you know, kind of like an Internet cafe, but instead it's like a VR cafe and you pay a certain amount of uh, money. And you have, you know, you rent it for like half an hour or an hour. And then they have all that stuff set up. Like all that technology is just there in their own room in this business. And you just go in, partake of it for an hour or two, and then you're done. And that to me sounds like a really good answer to kind of like the active VR, like you're describing with uh, HTC. I mean, I don't know if anybody's working on that. I kind of think that maybe somebody will. And it reminds me of like, I don't know if you ever saw these, but do you ever, were you ever, um, go to like one of those Battletech centers that were around for a while where they had like LAN connected Battletech pods that you would climb into and you would do Battletech with other people. You ever, you ever seen one of those? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I'm not that old dude. I'm not that old. I don't uh, think yeah, I don't it was like, this is an age thing. I just don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Well, so, do you know what Battletech is, right? Or do you not? No. Okay. So Battletech is giant robots. It was, a, it was a tabletop RPG and then it became a series of video games and then this was like the ultimate expression of that where they had like eight or ten people that would like battle together on a field and you were like it was kind of like uh you climb into like an arcade machine and then you close the door so you're like inside this pod and then there's like tv screens and you have like multiple sticks and buttons and you're like you know like it's like you're inside the cockpit of a mech right and so it's all connected in this space and you would go to these places and you know have these tournaments with people and you would play because there's no way you could have that set up at home like you wouldn't be able to have like eight you know, primitive proto VR pods back home. Like there's just no way. So you'd go to these places and play for an hour and just like blow up your friends. It was kind of like, um, you know, like steel battalion, but with like a bunch of people and you just rented other people's equipment. So it was pretty cool, uh, pretty fun. And that kind of seems to me like what maybe the active VR will end up being. Uh, but we will see, we will see. So overall, it sounds like it was a positive for you. Would you say it was overall positive? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, I had a really good time, and I would very much like to like. I don't want to feel like I'm like using Jay and Kate for their VR system, but if they were like, "Oh, hey, do you want to come back over and use the HTC some more?" I would like not hesitate to drive across town again to go hang out with them and play video games on VR with them, <laughs> and have them make you some pizza. So there you go. All right, that is a deep dive into VR, and it sounds like a good one. So I'm really glad that we got that perspective on it. Um, let's move on, though. Uh, there's lots and lots of other stuff to talk about on the show. Next topic is going to be the PlayStation Experience, also known as the PSX, happening this weekend, literally, literally, as we are recording. It is still going on, uh, happening in Anaheim, California. There have been a lot of announcements from the show, uh, obviously all about PlayStation, whole bunch of new trailers like a ton a ton of new trailers um so much stuff we cannot cover everything that was at the show but it's happening right now and i figured we probably should talk about some of it so the idea that i had was that we would pick uh some of the most notable trailers and we're not going to watch them like real time we're not going to like you know uh talk about this as we're watching them but we did watch these before the recording and let's just go through them one by one i'll throw out a title and then you tell me what you thought, then I'll tell you what I thought, and if you have experience with that series, or what do you think, excited, not excited, whatever, general chatter, and we'll just go through the highlights. How's that sound? 
Sounds good. I have, um, I've got like three pages of notes and most of them are brief impressions of the trailers. And I apologize listeners. If you hear like my papers shuffling from my microphone, cause I will be, uh, turning pages in order to look at the games. Fair warning. You've been warned. You hear pages turning. It's Corey. Let's just <laughs> dive into it. Um, the biggest one or probably the biggest one to me, I think, and also a surprise was the last of us part two, um, I, it was my game of the year when that came out and I really have a lot of affection for that game. And it's probably the only one of Naughty Dog's games that I really like or, or modern Naughty Dog. Anyway, I did like uh, crash bandicoot back in the day. Uh, but I'm not going to talk Corey, you talk the last of us part two. What do you think? And, and also what did you think of the last of us? If you played it? Uh, I have to be like the super big Debbie Donner here because I don't, I think the last of us is a fine game, but I was not like masturbating to that game like everybody else in the games you know journalism and players sphere was like i thought it was that's kind of a horrific picture Uh, that's kind of a that's kind of a i'm just saying like yeah man i don't know that doesn't do it for me that kind of that's like the opposite well you know the game has like a bajillion perfect scores and everybody (laughs) thinks it's like the most sophisticated story in gaming and all this bullshit and i think it's true 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 i mean i think it's a fine game but i don't buy into all of it that much um like i think that i actually don't think the story is really that great at all and i think it has a lot of um i think it has a lot of like suspension of disbelief stuff that gets in the way of me trying to play the game and i also think that the game largely did not have the balls to try to tell a better story because anytime a character moment in the game was about to unfold or something big was going to happen they just hit the abort button and just launched zombies into the room because they didn't have the balls to like really let a player like character moment really breathe and because you know if naughty dog's good at anything they're good at letting players point guns at things and shoot them and i just feel like that's true yeah just some of that stuff about the last of us i was not that into and this is also going to make me sound like the most pretentious like asshole in the world but um i feel like a lot of the people who think the last of us has like you know one of the greatest stories in gaming are people who mainly experience stories through games and i feel like those people should maybe like read some books or watch some movies and maybe like try to experience other stories because the last of us is not really that sophisticated of a story and i think that people just have a very low um like they're the bar for video game stories is so low that it seems really great because everything else around it is so shitty and a lot of people who are playing the last of us might not necessarily be experiencing stories outside of video games and like i said that makes me sound like a huge jerk but to talk about the last of us part two specifically um before you move on, that was like a nuclear-sized truth bomb you just dropped on people. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the feedback <laughs> and the email from from that statement right there. But go on. Please go on. Yeah, we're, I'm sorry that I just lost us all of our listeners. From uh, that. All of our audience <laughs> is gone now. Thank you. Yes, we're going to have to get a whole new audience, but but please continue. But Okay, so The Last of Us, um, Last of Us Part 2 trailer is basically just Ellie and Joel are back. And the whole trailer is Ellie playing the guitar and singing and Joel's like walking up to her room where she's playing this guitar in this like gross house or whatever and they're a little bit older she's like looks like she's maybe like 20 now and he says something like oh what do you want to do kiddo and she looks up at him and she's like oh i want to kill every last one of them or something and then it cuts and i was like how much more boring can you get for a trailer like 
as if Naughty Dog needs to make another game about revenge killing and murder. Like, I know that that's what they do, and they just have slightly better writing than a lot of other developers, which makes people think that their games are better. And they have really good facial animations, which also makes people think their games are better. But, like, if you're going to give me a sequel to a game that didn't need a sequel with the same characters that did not need to come back for the sequel, don't make it a fucking murder-revenge story. Like, it's already a zombie game, which is, like the most common like vanilla genre of games like let's go ahead and add the most vanilla pedestrian pretense onto it too which is a revenge murder story and i was just super annoyed whenever i watched it but that that's my hot take uh what do you think that is a that is a very very hot take i'm glad we started with that because boy we are we are out of the gate strong on this segment <laughs> holy shit uh okay so what did i think uh, like I said, The Last of Us was my game of the year when it came out. I really enjoyed it, and I am generally not a fan of Naughty Dog's modern work. I, I think the Uncharted games are ridiculously uh, overrated. They are somehow mysteriously critic-proof, and I don't I don't think they're very good. I think they're beautiful. I think they're well-produced, but I don't think they're very good games. So I was really surprised that The Last of Us connected with me as well as it did, but I genuinely thought it was great. I really liked it a lot. I especially liked um, the DLC, Left Behind, Side note, Tangent, did you play the DLC Left Behind? The the Left Behind DLC was fucking amazing, yes. It was, yeah. right? It was so amazing. I will, so amazing. I will 100% own up to the Left Behind DLC being totally amazing, but the rest of the game yeah. is just fine. That, you know, that is, that is, that is so true, because uh, in 17 years of reviewing, I've only given out maybe like, I want to say three or four perfect tens, like in all that time, and that was one of them. I thought that DLC was fucking so fucking okay anyway so good so good <laughs> anyway i didn't want a sequel to the last of us i thought that was a complete story uh i don't really want to see those characters come back i liked them but i kind of felt like that was done and this kind of parallels how i felt about the walking dead season one i thought the walking dead season one amazing i thought it was so great when it came out i love that story i thought it was a great tale but i felt complete and done when that was when that was over and when they brought Clementine back for season two, it was a fucking train wreck. And season two of The Walking Dead is garbage. It just is not good at all. And I'm really afraid that that's what's going to happen to to The Last of Us. I mean, not like it's untouchable, not like it's, you know, some masterpiece that can't ever be added onto. But I just I just don't think there's a whole lot left to do there. And apparently somebody else does. And they did a great job with number one. And I see a lot of people saying, hey, give them a chance. But they're also the people that, you know, do Uncharted. And Uncharted to me is not good. So, I don't know. It's not something I was wanting, uh, but I will check it out, I guess. I think I would feel a little bit better if it was different characters, but we'll see how it plays out. So, that was that was The Last of Us Part 2. We'll see how that goes. Moving Well, okay, let's keep talking about uh, Naughty Dog since we're on the topic. Uncharted Lost Legacy. It appears to be a standalone DLC starring, is it Chloe Frazier? Is that who it is? Chloe, yeah. Is that right? Because I'm not a huge fan of Uncharted. I'm pretty sure that's her name, though. Corey, history with Uncharted, and what do you think about Lost Legacy? Um, I have played Uncharted 2, 3, and 4. I've played a tiny bit of the first one. Um, I, like you, think they're overrated. I think they, like you said, they're well-produced. They look nice. Naughty Dog has really great voice acting and motion capture and facial animations and pretty good writing. But I feel like the Uncharted games, it's just you playing as a mass murderer for 10 hours and then the game is over and i know that's a really dumb like critique to fall back on because you know there's like a bajillion games out there i love where you kill people like the whole game but i'm kind of over the whole like 
white male hero you know shooting people for a whole game and sudden and being like bulletproof and and i just feel like that the uncharted games have very pedestrian gameplay and it's just surrounded by some like clever writing here and there and it kind of kind of like with the last of us it like tricks tricks people into thinking that the games are better than they are because the writing is not as bland as some other games but for um lost legacy i'm actually like tentatively excited for lost legacy maybe for the same reason that i was for left behind from the last of us because if it's a short a shorter smaller contained story featuring two female leads then i'm pretty i'm pretty like up for that but i will say that um Naughty Dog is showing an awful lot of progression and the fact that they're going from a game where you play as a white guy shooting brown people to a game where you play as a white woman shooting brown people. So, I mean, it's not that much. It's not really that progressive, but, I mean, it's a step in the right direction, I guess. Isn't isn't Chloe not white? Isn't she uh, brown or something? No, or the, she's some kind of... uh, Nadine, the woman she's with, is black. But Chloe's... Maybe I'm confused. I thought Chloe was eastern or some middle eastern or chloe something. is no? chloe is white british and um uh, nadine who made her first appearance in uncharted 4 is black i don't know where she's from south africa or something oh okay all right well maybe i'm getting mixed up i'm not the uncharted expert but uh anyway um as with you i think uh, i think we're kind of on the same page about this if it's a standalone smaller story I think that maybe that would be a good thing to do. I think most stories are better when they're shorter when it comes to video games. So that might be a positive thing. Female lead, I'm interested. Don't have to see Nathan Drake. Uh, I, I will check it out. If it's a standalone, if I don't need the Uncharted 4 disc to play it, that is definitely a big positive because I will not have it. Uh, we'll see. I'm not, you know, not a huge fan, but I'm very interested to see what they do with it. So we'll check that out when the time comes. Uh, we're going to go through the rest of these pretty quickly, keeping an eye on the clock here. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Do you know? Do you care? Any feelings on that? I don't give a fuck about fighting games. Okay. That is a day one purchase for you. <laughs> I They didn't really show anything. It was uh, Mega Man and Ryu fighting Iron Man and Captain Marvel. I heard some people mention that they were disappointed that the X-Men are not going to be playing a role in the cast because... Uh, if you follow the Marvel movies, like uh, the rights have been split. And so the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, is not featuring the X-Men because of rights issues. And so the X-Men are kind of going away. Uh, Marvel's not spending a lot of time hyping them because that's not where the money is these days. And that's going to be reflected in this game. I hear people upset. Uh, I, I was never a big fan of this series. Uh, it was always really spazzy and too flashy and kind of ADD for me. Uh, but we'll see. It's kind of cool that Captain Marvel got... Uh, very prominently featured because she is a female who is going to have a movie coming up uh, next year or the year after. And I don't think a lot of people know who she is. So that was an interesting choice. Otherwise, kind of don't care. Uh, moving on, let's hit the big ones. Death Stranding. Holy cow. That new trailer. Uh, this is the co-production between Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro. It's got uh, the guy from Walking Dead, Norman Reedus. It's got Mads Mikkelsen, who is a Hollywood actor, also in the role. That trailer, wow, dude. Uh, you want to just sum it up really super, super brief and tell me what you thought? Uh, I, I'm i definitely going to play this game whenever it comes out because even though I'm like... If it is a game. If it is. Uh, who knows what it is? Yeah, okay. I mean, who knows? But uh, I heard it's a match three. I, I, Roguelike. I will... Ex with DLC. Oh, my God, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I will quote unquote experience it whenever it comes out, if we want to put it that way. Um, but uh, I'm kind of off and on with Hideo Kojima. Um, 
So I, I the, what I'm tired of with his sort of like, because, you know, he like runs the hype machine really well and everybody bites, you know, and, you know, bites his line and all that shit. And I, I'm very much kind of in the demographic where I don't really like watching trailers that much. I don't like binging that much on them because I'd rather go into a gameplay experience that's kind of like new and fresh and that I don't know a whole lot about. And that's how I feel about Death Stranding. It's one of those games where it's like, I'm definitely interested in it. I'll definitely play it. But the less I know about it, the better. And, you know, the trailers are weird. You know, they don't make much sense. It's Guillermo del Toro walking in, like, like a sewer system with, like, a pod. He's holding a pod that has, like, a baby in it. And allegedly, if you play the first and the second trailer side by side, they, like, link up perfectly or something like that. And I, I'm just, like, tired of getting all these trailers. And they did, like, a whole press conference for the game at PSX. And I'm like, okay, when is the game coming out? In, like, a year or two? Like, how about we wait until, like the game's closer to coming out before we have fucking press conferences about it like can we can we just like maybe get a little bit of gameplay trailer like i don't know i just am not buying into the whole hype cycle of it despite the fact that i'm talking about it on the podcast which is kind of counterproductive but i will play it i just don't i'm just i don't want to feed that machine even though that's exactly what i'm doing right now by talking about it yeah, this is a kind of a weird thing. Um, I definitely don't want to get too hyped up for it because that just almost inevitably leads to disappointment. But uh, I think Hideo Kojima has to really swing for the fences on this one because, you know, he was pretty vocal about being unhappy at Konami. And I think it's pretty evident in his games. I know a lot of people really love the Metal Gear games, but, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of them are garbage. Like, I think they started out really well, but it became clear that he got tired of working on them. And the series got progressively crazier and worse as time went on. And it just, it was really, really obvious he didn't want to be doing it anymore. But since it was Konami's cash cow, they did not let him leave. And that just, it had a really negative effect on the series. And I'm curious to see what he will be like now that he has been freed from those shackles. I think that he genuinely does have some talent. And now that he's not going to be chafing against, uh, you know, corporate dictate, I, I, I want to know what he's going to do. I'm a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro. I think he's super talented. I love his work a lot. So I think there's a lot of good pieces in play. But I think that he's got to go big. I mean, he is a big player. He's going to be spending a lot of money on this game. It's going to be a really high-profile game. He's got to get the hype machine rolling. I just, I really wonder what it's going to be like. Um, I, you know, part of me thinks it's going to be Metal Gear in a different skin. But hopefully it'll be something completely wildly different. I hope it will be something different. So we'll see. The trailer basically showed you nothing. It was just a lot of really weird, creepy imagery. I mean, uh, it provoked my curiosity, but I don't know a thing about the game. I don't know what it would even be, how you play, what it's about. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, something that I am also very curious about and something that got quite a bit of show at PSX, Mass Effect Andromeda. Tell me about your feelings on Mass Effect, and what did you think of the Andromeda gameplay trailer, which was actually pretty pretty long? Well, I have to correct you very quickly and say that the Mass Effect Andromeda came out of the Game Awards, which we haven't talked about, but uh, that was a trailer they showed at the Game Awards and not at PSX. Oh, my mistake, my mistake, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about it anyway since we're talking about it. Yeah, yes, I mean, no problem. Um, but, I mean, I I'm looking forward to it. I love the Mass Effect games. Um, I've played all of them three times, as a matter of fact, and... Uh, and I, I mean, the, the cool thing is that the trailer was entirely gameplay. So it was like all footage of like fighting and exploring and talking to people. And I, I like that because a lot of people hate pre-rendered trailers. And I like pre-rendered trailers, but I also want to know what the fuck the game is going to be. But it's Mass Effect, so you know what it's going to be. It's going to be exploring the universe and third-person shooting and like fighting against big things and open areas and using powers and stuff. And I mean, 
it's basically just going to be more Mass Effect, and I'm pretty okay with that because I'm okay with sequels being more of the same if they don't come out two years apart from each other. And Mass Effect 3 came out a long time ago, so even if it's just like more Mass Effect, it's been long enough to where I would be totally okay with just more Mass Effect. Right on, right on. Um, Mass Effect is something that's near and dear to my heart. It is not a perfect series, but I love it a lot. I love those characters. The first Mass Effect, I think, is is phenomenal. I mean, yeah, there's inventory management issues. Yeah, the elevators, blah, 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 <laughs> whatever. I think it's a fantastic game. It was fantastic when it came out. It still is fantastic. Uh, I And I love the series. I'm really excited to see what the next game is going to be like. I am down for more Mass Effect. And what I saw looked great. I mean, the return of a ship that looked just like the Mako. I thought I, I am on Team Mako. Team Mako is great. It's the best. I love the Mako. Um, being in the world looked like there was like some, you know, open world aspect to it. Uh, exploration was something I really liked in the first Mass Effect. And I was disappointed that it got smaller and smaller as the series went on. It's, it's Jetpack. Big, big fan of Jetpacks. I'm down with Jetpacks. And that was like... I like got up and cheered a little bit when I saw the jetpack. <laughs> so that's cool. That's all good. And I would be 100% driving the hype train if not if not for a little thing I like to call Dragon Age Inquisition. I hated that game with a passion. I thought it was so full of bloat and boring stuff and just tedious and awful and I just I hated it and hated it and hated it. I can't stand it. And I really hope that they have learned lessons from Dragon Age Inquisition because I do not want Dragon Age Inquisition with a Mass Effect skin on top of it. If it turns out like that, I will be the saddest motherfucker on the face of the planet <laughs> because I will not be able to play that game because I will be too fucking bored. So I I want Mass Effect. I want more Mass Effect. I want more exploration. I want it to be kind of similar to where the first one was in terms of structure. But oh my fucking god, it cannot be. It cannot be like Inquisition. So. I'm kind of holding my breath on this one. We will wait and see, but I'm, I'm definitely down. I am a Mass Effect fan. Um, I'm looking at the clock. We are running short of time, so we're going to skip over the rest of the stuff that we were going to talk about. Let's just wrap it up real quick and say there was a bunch of other stuff, tons of other stuff. I'm sure you've got two pages of notes we haven't touched yet, but there is a Yakuza remake and, of the original game. There's also the newest game coming out. The Yakuza series is great. Corey, Yakuza, yes, no? Uh, never played them. Not really interested in playing them. Okay, remasters of Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3. I'm excited to share that with my son, Corey. Crash Bandicoot, original? Uh, I played it back in the day. Will probably not play the new one. Fair enough. Nier Automata or Automata? Are you a fan of Nier? Uh, I think Nier is awful, even though I know you love it. Oh, God, you... why did you say that? Because now I have to get a new co-host for the show. Shit. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh, this show is going to be like our divisive show. Everybody's going to hate oh, us. Oh, my God. Fired after it. Nier is one of the modern classics. Oh, we haven't talked about it yet, but ah, it's on the list. It's on the list. Uh, Danganronpa. Yes, no? Always been interested in this series, but I probably won't ever play them. Oh, my God. Those are so good. Danganronpa 3, super hyped for that. Uh, Laura Croft Go is available now. Interested. Laura Croft Go. Yes, no? Oh, I've, Go, no go. I've played, go, no go. I, I have gone to Laura Croft Go on my phone a lot. Um, I love the Square Enix Montreal games. Um, Hitman Go, Deus Ex Go, Laura Croft Go. So I'm really excited that they are bringing them slowly all to PS4 because I think they are great. And apparently the only place to play the new DLC first is on a PlayStation system. So people who are going on the ps4 or the vita will go there first um there was a ton of other stuff other announcements other new things a ton of games we did not get to but we are just running out of time um before we completely run out of time let's 
get things back on track. Let's let's put the slow jams back on. Let's get back <laughs> and uh, into our usual groove. Let's do a couple of quick check-ins. We do have a fair number of questions to answer, and then I think that's going to bring us to the end. So let's not pause. Corey, um, let's get back to games. I want to know what is the update on Watch Dogs 2. Check-in, go. I finished the story missions on Watch Dogs 2 about an hour ago, so this is like the timeliest check-in ever. I've been playing... Oh, that was recent. Jeez. I've been playing Watch Dogs 2 like crazy um, for the past couple of days. And to be honest, I'm not playing it because it's great. I'm just kind of playing it because it's there, and I don't really have a whole lot else to play right now. That is a stunning recommendation. I know, I know. Well, I had a... like an 8 a.m um like revelation this morning and i grabbed my phone and wrote some notes down on my phone about it and here are some of my revelations that i wrote on my phone um i need to stop expecting open world games to be new and exciting for me because every time i i play a new open world game they all feel exactly the same because they're all modeled exactly the same you and i've said this before you drive somewhere someone talks at you for two minutes you go to a three-minute mission rinse repeat that's the entire game stretch it out over 20 hours um uh, Watch Dogs 2, if, and for most open world games, if they weren't open world, they would be considered garbage because in Watch Dogs 2, most of the missions are bad. You you go, you drive up to a building, you take two minutes to infiltrate it somehow, you press a button and you leave. That's like 90% of Watch Dogs 2's missions. Some of them are better than others, but none, none of them are memorable. Um, open world games live and die by their emergent gameplay. And developers are hoping that their the open worlds they make are um, that they're entertaining for long drives and getting to destinations, um, because not enough happens during the missions to keep them memorable. The good news about Watch Dogs Two is that it has like the best online emergent gameplay I've ever experienced, probably. And the same goes for the first Watch Dogs because there are sections in the game where people if you have your online settings open which i do where other live players can start like hacking you and you have to find them and you have like a time limit on hacking them and and kill like you can be in just in the middle of driving around town or walking around town and it'll be like alert somebody's hacking you and you have to like search for them in the environment and and it's like there's like rarely more in a game that like makes my pulse quicken that much because i'm just out exploring san francisco and then boom somebody's hacking me and i have to like run around and try to find them and once i find them i have to try to kill them first and they might get in a car and try to drive off and i might have to try to hack their car and it's just like it's great i love the way watchdogs 2 does online gameplay i think it's really smart and it's it's just it's just a nice change of pace from the regular game but other than that, um, I think that overall, having completed all the story missions, Watch Dogs 2 does not feel as on the nose as I think the developers wanted it to feel because a lot of it is about um, hacking and exposing companies that are doing dirty things. And like, there's even a part in the game where like a senator is running for office and you have to like hack his shit and like expose him. And you, you actually end up like blowing up some uh, like voting booths, not while people are in them, but like while they're in storage. And you end up delaying the election so that people can like get more information to vote better uh, after you like expose all of his info. But the thing that kills me about the themes in this game is that I know that that wouldn't help anything because as we just experienced in our election like there was so much news about you know basically the republican state being like donald trump being totally not not based in any reality with any of the stuff he was saying and people had all the time in the world to do their to do their research but people are stuck in the way that they want to vote and the way that they think and the way they were raised that they're not either not going to do the research or they're not going to 
to, to take the opportunity of, of that time to make up their mind in a more informed way and vote. And so I feel like Watch Dogs 2 just feels flat because the whole game is about that. It's mm-hmm. like exposing these companies so people can can feel bad about them and people can make a more informed decision. But it's like, no matter, even if that happened in the real world, like that would not change a whole lot. Like people know companies are terrible. People know people are terrible and they still support them and they still shop at those companies. So the whole thing just felt kind of stale and not current enough. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, well, this is real world stuff that's current and it's like evocative, but it it's so current that it doesn't feel current. Like it's not forward thinking and it's not interesting anymore. And I'm sorry that I talked about that for like five minutes, but those are my heated thoughts on Watch Dogs 2. Well, you know, that kind of makes I mean, what I agree about the open world, um, as we touched on in a previous episode, it lost me pretty quickly because it did feel like cookie cutter open world stuff. Um, And I kind of wonder in a post Trump world, which is kind of like a living nightmare, uh, seeing something that kind of aims to have some political message. I can totally understand how that would not connect because, you know, we just went through the craziest shit in the history of the country and it did not turn out the right way. And we're living with the aftermath now. So what could Watch Dogs 2 possibly tell us about, you know, activating voters and people voting smart because we did not do that in real life? I mean, that makes perfect sense. So I can I can relate, man. I can definitely I get that vibe and I can see how maybe that is not connecting with you. So, um, OK, shame. so shame. I, I don't want to talk anymore about Watch Dogs, but did you finish Dead Rising? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, actually, yes. I did finish it last night. It took me forever today because, like I said earlier, I can't play it when my son is awake because it was too intense. <laughs> and so I had to only play it at nighttime. And, and, you know, being the old guy that I am, I get tired at night. So it took me a long time. But I, I had um, a couple marathon sessions over the last two days. I stayed up really fucking late. And I got to sleep in. So kudos to my wife for letting me sleep in. Thanks, honey. (laughs) And I got it wrapped up. And I got to say, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, Before I played Dead Rising, I was really questioning if I had lost the fun in video games. I was in a slump. And I don't know if you remember that or not. But there was I was just playing game after game where I just nothing was clicking. Nothing seemed fun. Nothing seemed worth the time. And I was bouncing off of like a bunch of games in a row. But this one totally connected with me i found the fun i really enjoyed playing it all the way through and the thing that was great i mean not a perfect game uh the thing that was really great about it was i've played all of the dead rising games and as someone who has um appreciated them i mean they're not perfect but i I have liked them all to get to dead rising 3 there was a lot of really fucking cool story stuff that happened at the end that to me was a total surprise i was not spoiled on it and so when that stuff happened i was like oh my god did not know this stuff was going to happen. Didn't know this was coming up. And it was an awesome treat to kind of get those things to be revealed. And, I, you know, it was nice to not know about it beforehand. And it was nice as someone who's been in the series to to kind of get that payoff, to have everything kind of tied up together like that. I thought that was great. I was just I was thrilled. Um, otherwise, it was just it was just a wonderful game. It's probably one of the only games I have genuinely enjoyed on the Xbox One. And it was probably one of the very few times that it made me really glad that I had the Xbox One. That thing's a piece of shit. The OS is terrible. The interface is terrible. It sits it sits ignored for most of the year. But I'm glad that I had it for Dead Rising 3. I'm really glad that I played it. If any Dead Rising fans out there haven't gotten to it yet, I would totally recommend it. I mean, certain things are really fucking irritating about it because I think that by the time you're about halfway or three quarters through the game, it's time for fast travel. And they just it never happens. Like, the developers never let you fast travel. And that's kind of a bummer because... It's a challenge to kind of get through the zombies and to make your way across the city. 
the first like 50 times that you do it but like after you do it a bunch of times it's like you have it down you know what you're doing it's just simply a matter of okay well i gotta i'm on this block so i know that this car is gonna be parked over here i'm gonna grab this car i'm gonna it's gonna get me so far and then it's gonna be damaged and then i gotta run this far and i'm gonna grab the motorcycle that i know is gonna be parked around the corner and i'm gonna keep going and it just gets old after a while like it just it loses its spark the city doesn't change up enough and if it does change it only gets worse it's like even more difficult to navigate which is a drag because you kind of want the game to wrap up and then it just gets harder to get through. But even with that being there, um, I still really enjoyed it. And I will say also, um, for people who listen to the show, uh, I went on and on and on about like how many zombies were in the game. Like it's truly staggering amount. Like I can't even describe like the oceans of zombies that you will be subjected to in this game. And it looks fucking amazing. It's so amazing. Um, but if you get stuck in one of those crowds, it's a, it's a real bummer. It's not good. And after a while, I got kind of sick of it. Like I kind of, I was kind of hoping like the city would thin out because by the time I ended my playthrough, I killed something like 26,000 zombies or something like that. And I'm like, you know, I killed like almost 30,000 of you fuckers. The streets should be a little bit emptier by now. <laughs> like, you know, like, cl- like clear it out a little bit. And it just got thicker and thicker as time went on, which is kind of a bummer. But anyway, I don't mean, I don't mean to grouse about it. There's stuff I could nitpick, whatever, whatever. But like, it was a great game. I had so much fun. I really enjoyed it. I finished it like 100% and I just really had a great time. So thumbs up, big thumbs up um, to Dead Rising 3. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, one more game I want to just briefly touch on before we go to Q&A. Um, I threw this one out to you, Corey, and invited you to join me in a, in playing this. Warframe on the PS4. It's put out by, I want to say it's Digital Extremes. I think that's the developer. Apologies if it's not came out originally three years ago it's a free-to-play it's not necessarily a multi mm it's not an mmo but it's kind of like destiny reminds me a lot of destiny except it's not destiny you play as like cyborg space ninja biomechanical and you do all this weird stuff you have like really agile movements wall jump and double jump and you can glide and you have a sword and a gun and you kind of team up with other people randomly to do these missions um I've dipped into it a couple times over the years and I've always bounced off of it, but apparently it's doing really well and it has a pretty big following and the game is just growing and growing and growing. PR emails me about it like once a month minimum about Warframe and I just, I'm like, you know, I feel like I should just get back into it and find out because clearly it's not going away. Um, And I invited you to download it for free, which I believe you did. Corey, uh, what did you think of Warframe? Um, My hottest overall hot take is the game looks like if destiny and two human had a love child designed by the people who do infinity blade on ios how accurate do you think that is oh that's very accurate that's 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 dead on i think um that's what it felt like and i really didn't know anything about the game whenever you told me about it but it was free on ps on playstation so i just downloaded it and i've only played a couple hours of it but um I'm not into Destiny, I'm not into like kind of the MMO style of gaming, but I have to say whenever I started playing it, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised, and maybe that's because I didn't know anything about it. I thought it was going to be a first-person shooter, but it's third-person, which I thought was cool. And it like I was kind of surprised about, you know, the agility of it like you said, like you can jump and double jump and kind of float and like wall run and um I'm kind of honing my skills on more of like melee movements like you get to pick from a couple different weapons at the beginning and you can get a sword or a staff and i picked a staff for my melee weapon so i've been like stealthily like killing dudes and like using my staff all the time and barely even using my rifle or my sidearm and i think it's cool that the game kind of um lets you uh 
kind of gives you the openness of like okay do you want to use your pistol do you want to use your rifle do you want to be stealthy do you want to use melee like you can you can kind of play it however you want which i think is cool um i'm not sure about uh because it's such a big game it's it feels kind of like one of those games where to really grasp it you either have to like play it for like 30 hours before you really understand every in and out of it because it has like a ton of customization options and there's like free to play stuff and there's also stuff you can buy and there's in-game currency and there's mods and like way to do different stuff with your mods and it's one of those games where you kind of have to like read a manual on it unless like if you want to know everything from the get-go and i don't really want to do that with the game but for what it is, I think it's fun, and I feel like it's one of those games that I could see myself just jumping into like every once in a while between games. Like if I have games out from Gamefly and I don't have anything returned yet, like, oh, let me just play Warframe for a couple of hours tonight before bed. Like it seems like the kind of game I could see myself doing that with, and the fact that it has co-op is great because um, like me and you and your wife, we played uh, The Division together 100% co-op, and like we've talked about before, um, co-op with the right people in the right game could certainly make the experience a lot better so i would love to try playing with you in the future brad yeah i would love that too i definitely um i think that having friends along would be great and i kind of echo what you said i mean i love the aesthetics of it i like the design the kind of biomechanical weird everything is like not quite a robot but not quite a living thing kind of in between i kind of dig that that art style and the idea of being like a space ninja is pretty cool. And the movement is very fast. Like it's very fast, very nimble. You kind of just like fucking fly through the <laughs> levels, which are um, procedurally generated. But I have to say it does kind of a rotten job of tutorializing. I originally got into it when it first came out and I did not like it. Tried it again like a year later, did not like it and tried it now. And it, it's still on my character saved. And I didn't remember anything about it. Like, and getting back into it, I was like, oh, what are the buttons and what's going on? And I don't recall. And it's really, 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 really deep. I mean, I was drowning in information. Like you go to the the mods area and I, I literally couldn't even understand what the game was telling me. Like there was so much stuff on screen and I didn't know what any of it was. And there's a button you can push for tutorials, but I don't feel like they do a good job. And I just was feeling really lost. I kind of blindly stumbled through it, just slapping whatever I had on my character and getting out there. And I wasn't quite sure what mission I should be doing and what I should be going for. Like, what was I was I looking for something or was I trying to work towards something? I think it's I mean, there's a lot of content there and apparently there's a lot of fans as well. But I don't think it does a very good job of getting new people in or explaining itself very well. And I I'm interested and I do want to try it out with you. And I and I think my wife will join us as well once she starts it. But I just felt like I just didn't know what was going on. And as someone who has played games for as many years as I have, it's a very rare circumstance to start a game and to have, like, no idea of what's going on. Like, usually you can figure it out pretty quick. And, I, you know, I got the basics down. I could kill guys. I could go on a mission and shoot and stab. And that was fine. But it feels like there's so much more that's going on that I just I just do not know. Um, shout out to Steven Strom on Twitter, who has been kind of giving me some tips and kind of, he was one of the reasons I got back into it. Um, but I just, I just feel like I'm drowning in it. So it's going to be a long process. I am going to keep dipping into it and we'll have to revisit it. I don't know enough about it to really talk intelligently about it, but I, I see that I want to come back. So let's table it for now and, uh, let's play a couple sessions together and we'll see where that takes us. Um, 
All right, I think that's all the game we have time for. And in fact, we're a little bit over time, but we got a lot of questions this week, and I don't want to disappoint the listeners. Let's hit these questions really quick, and then we're going to wrap. I am. Uh, um, I have two things. First of all, I'm okay with running long. I don't know about your situation, but I'm okay with it. And B, um, I have, before we hit listener questions, I want to make the tiny complaint to double back real quick to the um, to game trailers. One thing that I fucking cannot stand about... Um, trade show trailers is whenever you get on YouTube and you look them up and they do not edit out the sound of the crowd cheering during the trailer. Or sometimes they don't even edit out the crowd. You yeah. can see the crowd like on the edges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it fucking pisses me off so much. Like like with the Last of Us trailer, it opens up and it's like Ellie's hand in a guitar and the crowd is like, oh, and they're like yelling and clapping. And I'm like, will you guys shut the fuck up for five seconds and look at the screen to figure out like, what is actually going on before you like jump out of your seats and shout and cheer? It just bugs the fucking shit out of me that they do not edit out the crowd cheering from the trailers whenever they first put them online. It bothers me so goddamn much. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing for you. Sorry, that's like I was so irritated whenever I was watching the trailers earlier, and I just remembered it a minute ago and knew I had to say it. But um, that's it. All right, let's do listener questions. Well, well, still angry, still angry. That's that must be a big thing. So that's I'm glad you got that out. Let's we'll talk about that again. Crowd noise, hate it. Ugh, get out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Q&A, Q&A. We got a lot of questions uh, this week. And... Okay, let's start. Um, from Strident, good man Strident, and I, I dare say maybe one, maybe our first super fan, because I think he's listened to every episode, and he's commented a few times on Twitter, if not for the show, but on Twitter. Um, his question is, or his comment is, we know that Brad's ultimate fantasy game would probably be Tower of the Sexy Robots. Ooh, <laughs> he knows me well. What would Corey's be? You know, I've been thinking about this all day because I saw his tweet about it earlier, and I, I like, don't have an answer for this. My instinctual answer is to say, like, like something like Deus Ex Human Revolution, but with, like, a with like a black lesbian female protagonist or something like that you know not just like a white guy with glasses and maybe like mm, i don't know more interesting stealth or something because i'm trying to think of games that i love and games that i would want something more like that and i just don't i don't know any game that fucks with my head a little bit like silent hillian or something like that but i i can't like quantify what i think my perfect game would be like i'm one of those people who can critique games all day but if i ever became a game developer i would be the worst developer on the planet you'd be that dude sitting there with like a blank piece of paper in front of you just like tapping with your pen and, and i would like, hmm. I, and then i would also be the guy that any anytime somebody in the office is like oh well this is my idea i'd be like fuck that's awful get out of here but like i wouldn't have any good <laughs> ideas like that's that's what kind of person i am god i'm glad you're not my boss dude that would be terrible <laughs> All right, that is that is a pretty good answer. And uh, he's actually, Stride is actually not too far off uh, as far as I go. My ultimate fantasy game would probably be something like Mass Effect. I love that structure. I love the gameplay. I love the world. And there would be like a lot of sexy robots in it. But what was the um, what was the name of the robot in Mass Effect 3? It was your ship AI, but that you got a robot body. What was her name? Uh, Edie. Dude, man. That was some. That was some stuff. You would want to be Joker, the pilot who gets to have a relationship with Edie. I don't know that I'd want to be Joker, but like you know, there could be you know there could be other options. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's why you like Fallout New Vegas so much, right? Because of Fisto the robot. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I gotta be honest. When I first uh, hit that quest, you know, somebody says, "Oh, we need to find a sex bot," 
I was like, oh, dude, what's what's up with this? Let's find <laughs> out. It's like one of those, just one of those fucking stupid generic bots. And I was like, oh, what a bummer. I totally wanted it to be like super sexy. You know, it could have been just anything. Like, like they should have made a new model for that that character. And it was, oh, so disappointing. Like, ugh, <laughs> lame. It was like the same fucking ammo dispensing robot. What the, get the fuck out of here. Whatever. You're not a sex bot. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Joshua Carpenter, who is at JScarp on Twitter, says, Personally, I'm really excited about lots of Yakuza games coming out with the prequel and a remake of one on PS4. I hope people check them out. Okay, so that's not a question. It's that's a comment. not a question. Not a question. Sorry. It's just a comment. Corey, we kind of touched on this, but let's reiterate. Yakuza, your feeling? Uh, I My experience with Yakuza is literally playing like 15 minutes of a demo for one of them on the PlayStation 3. I can't even remember which one it was. And that was not enough to make an impression on me. So I have, I know that games have a huge fan following, but I do not need another open world game that has driving and shooting and brawling in my life right now. Okay, cool. I am a big Yakuza fan. I love those games. I think they're brilliant. I have, I'm behind though, is the problem. I played the first three yakuza games and they can be kind of commitments if you want to get into them and really get the most out of them they offer a lot of content there's a lot of side stuff uh, but the stories continue and it's one of the very few series in gaming where i think it's genuinely important to play them in order like you know you, i mean imagine playing mass effect 3 first and then going back to one and like how you'd be missing out on like how some of those payoffs happen it's kind of the same thing with yakuza like you get the story uh, of the main character and if you need to go chronologically and it all ties together so i think that if you can do that that's great unfortunately the first game was only available i want to say it was on ps2 and as the series progressed like it just was hard to find and it wasn't made available and it was really tough for people to catch up with that series but i think it's a really quality series i mean obviously it's a niche game but i think it's great i think it's one of the best series out there i really enjoyed a lot and I'm really glad that the very first game will be available on PS4 in remake fashion. And I think that the other ones should be also available so people can catch up. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited. I need to catch up. I think I'm one or two games behind, but I'm looking forward to it and I'm definitely a fan. Um, so that's my take on that. Next. Checking to see if it's a question or a comment. I don't want to make that mistake again. It looks like a comment from good friend okay dude okay i'm sorry i've been talking to you on twitter forever i'm gonna massacre the fuck out of your name i'm so sorry uh so his first name is lewis or louis because he is in canada and i believe that he speaks french so he must be in that french part of canada and his last name i want to say is fiatro fiatro i hope that's how you pronounce it sorry apologies if i if i got that wrong but louis phil on twitter says the parappa demo was underwhelming no freebies or big surprise discounts remakes and remasters are getting tiring Corey, your take uh i don't really care about parappa the rapper to be honest um i will say i'm surprised that sony is like reviving and remastering that game after it's like because it's really really old that's like ps1 launch old like super old um exactly exactly but however i mean old school sony fans will know that parappa was like because parappa and crash bandicoot were like their mascots for the longest time for playstation um so i think it's cool that they're still giving this series some love i don't really care about it to be honest i probably won't play it but i i like that it's that they're bringing it back and that it's out there for longtime fans of the series Cool, cool. I uh, I love Parappa. I still have um, the hat that I bought 
that was an exact copy of Parappa's hat from the game. I still wear it once in a while. It's like <laughs> one of my favorite possessions. I love that hat. I love the game. I played it with my son, and he thought it was just like so funny and so cute. He really liked it a lot. The gameplay doesn't really hold up, but just like the, the cuteness factor and the charm is still there. Um, as far as remakes and remasters, I'm not tired of them. I mean, I'm kind of glad that they're around because unlike movies or books, a lot of games just disappear where it's really hard to play them again on, on formats as the industry moves forward. So I think it's cool just, just to be able to go back and play some of these old games just from uh, the perspective of wanting to educate yourself as a gamer, wanting to see what's come before, uh, just learning about things like that. You know, just in the way that you can think, pick a classic book off a shelf. Being able to download a classic game and just experience that, I think, is a very cool thing. So I'm, I'm up when it comes to remakes and remasters and getting those things around. Uh, that said, not super hyped for Parappa because, you know, I've played it a million times. I think I already own it on, like, the Vita or something like that. I mean, I've bought it a couple times. I've got the clothing, like I said. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's still around. I wish they would do something new with it, but what are you going to do? So, okay, moving on. Jeremy Greer, who is J.G. Greer on Twitter. Uh, great guy. Hardcore Souls fan. He's apparently on like 12 different podcasts at the moment. Writes in and he says, How do you handle the sexual disappointment of Sony forgetting to announce a Demon Souls remaster again? I can guess what you're going to say, but go ahead and tell me. Uh, I don't really care because I've sampled... I played Demon's Souls for like 15 minutes. I think I played Dark Souls 2 for about 15 minutes. And I've played Bloodborne for about 15 minutes. And I know people love them. I know those are like, ooh, like if you want to, you know, get your dick out and brag about how long it is, like talk about what level you are in the Demon's Souls games. Um, but uh, I'm just not into them. They're not my kind of game. Um, I'm worried that Demon's Souls might be too old to remaster. But then again, we just talked about Parappa getting remastered. So who knows? Um I don't care. What do you think? Um, I am disappointed that they have not announced it. I mean, it's Demon's Souls is one of my favorite games of all time. I think it's probably still... Well, in terms of story, I think it is the overall best story that Souls has ever told. And I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff in that game. Uh, I would love to see a remaster. I think it's past due. Along the same lines, I would like to see a Dark Souls remaster. That one is way past due for a remaster, considering how many people like to fucking name drop it all the time and how many people say that they're such big fans of it. It seems like ridiculous that there's no remaster considering how poorly it runs on uh, the platforms that it was on. If you're not playing it on PC, it can be a really like chuggy, uh, difficult game to play. So yeah, I am disappointed. I, I wouldn't say that my disappointment is sexual because <laughs> nothing about Demon Souls or the Soul series or Bloodborne uh, connects with me on a sexual level at all. Like that's like a, like to, like negative sexual uh, <laughs> excitement with those things, but I do think they are way past due, especially considering how notable and uh, you know what a touchstone that series has become. It seems like those things should already be out, and I am surprised that they are not out. Um, final, okay, a question. Yes, actually, a question from Adam, who is at as realist on Twitter. He says, "Hey, thoughts on the latest." Resident Evil 7 demo and Let It Die Impressions. Um, I will let you handle Resident Evil 7, but for people who don't know, Let It Die is a new free-to-play third-person action kind of a hack-and-slash with some roguelike elements. It just came out 
during PSX. I think yesterday is the day that it became available um, free to play, and I downloaded it last night. I think you did as well. But let's talk about Resident Evil 7 first. Latest thoughts on the Resident Evil 7 demo, Corey Go. Well, Adam, our dear listener who wrote in, I'm sorry to say that I have not played the Resident Evil 7 demo, the new updated demo yet. For listeners that don't know, when Resident Evil 7 was announced, they dropped a demo like almost immediately on PSN. They updated it a few months ago and added some extra stuff to it. And allegedly last night, they dropped the final update for it. So hopefully this is the one where you actually get to escape the house that you're in, because up to this point, you can't really like beat, quote unquote, um, the demo. I'm really excited to try it because I love the direction Resident Evil is going with Resident Evil 7. I love the Resident Evil demo. I just downloaded it last night and uh, I did not have access to the PlayStation last night, so I didn't play it. And I did not play it today because it was light out and Resident Evil 7 demo is one of those games where I have to wait till the sun goes down, till I'm alone in the living room, turn the lights off, put the headphones on. I do the whole shebang when I play horror games. So next episode, I swear I will have an update on Resident Evil 7, but I have not played it yet as of now. Oh my god, you must have an amazing cardio system because my re- impressions of the Resident Evil 7 demo is no impressions because that shit is too scary for me to play, dude. I'm not even going to play the demo because I watched my oldest son play it when he was here for the summer, the very, very first version of the demo. I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, I, I can't I can't play this. This is this is too much for me. So I will have no impressions on that <laughs> demo. I will I will simply listen to you tell me about it and and even then like censor it because it's too much. So I mean it's no really it's really scary. It's like the right kind of scary for me and I when I play something like that I really have to like go all in for it. So uh yeah, I understand. It is very scary and, and what I consider scary, um, which is good Fuck. scary. But uh, No way. I'm I am staying the hell away <laughs> from that fucking game. No way. Uh, um, did you get a chance to download and or play Let It Die? Any quick impressions on that? I downloaded it. I have not played it. I will play it maybe even tonight, as a matter of fact. I've heard from the Twitterverse today that a lot of people are having connection errors, probably because a lot of people are trying to play it at the same time. So hopefully that gets fixed soon. I have not played it. Have you? Yeah, I downloaded it last night, but our internet is fucking garbage. And it's like, if I try to download something, I can't do anything else in my house. It's like the fucking... Oh, God. It's like the Stone Age of Wi-Fi at my house. So it took a long time to download. I finally got it downloaded. I didn't have enough time to sink into it as much as I wanted to. But I've been I've been stoked for this game since PAX. So I've been eagerly awaiting this. I played a, a pretty in-depth demo. And I got the chance to talk to the game's director, Hideyuki Shin, who was a really awesome guy. Uh, very fun to talk to. Great sense of humor. Uh, so I had a really positive experience. And I've been really excited about this. I played a little bit of it today. And I like it. I mean, it's just like what I saw in the demo. It's a third person, uh, kind of a roguelike. I haven't gotten too deep into the mechanics of it. But basically, you pick up weapons from enemies that you kill in each dungeons. And it's kind of, you know, uh, kind of a roguelike. So you never know what you're going to get. There's uh, ghosts that are left behind, which become stronger enemies. Like if you die or somebody else, like a real player dies, their ghost becomes an enemy. And if you kill them, you can steal their stuff. So there's kind of like a, a PvP thing going. It's really crazy, uh, like irreverent, weird, bizarre kind of aesthetics. And uh, everything about it is just kind of really off the wall and and weird, which really strikes a a good chord with me. Um, I'm not deep into it enough yet, but I like what I've seen so far. I'm going to be playing it as soon as we get off this podcast. And I'll have more impressions next episode, I'm sure. But um, as far as uh, the rest of my impressions, my impression is that you you should download it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And 
it's up right now in pretty much all territories. It was a bit of a slow rollout, but it's available. So uh, check it out and let us know what you think. We'll be talking about it, and we will uh, dig deeper next time. Does it have co-op? I am unclear. I know that there's like a clan system or something, and I know there's definitely PvP. I don't know if there's co-op. I will have to find out. Um, I was I forgot to ask that when I talked to the director, and I've been trying to go into it a little bit cold. Like I don't want to know too much about it, so I don't know for sure. But we will find out. We well, find if it out. has co-op, um, let me know because I can play it with you tonight. If you're gonna jump on later. Oh, okay. Maybe we should do that. Let's we'll do some quick research after the show, and uh, we will find out. So. All right, uh, this is our longest episode ever. Hopefully people didn't get bored and bailed before the end because now we are at the end. <laughs> and this is going to do it for this installment of the So Video Games Podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. And as always, please send us your thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to send us. You can reach us at SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at SoVideoGames. I, uh, I want to add a little bit to that too and say that... Um... Whenever Brad and I say you can send us thoughts and feedback and ideas. Um, also, something we don't really talk about is the fact that I edit all these shows and I am not a mastermind at podcast editing. Like last show, we had a someone send in a wonderful request to let us know that it was a little too quiet. Um, I, I guess he jogs and works out when he listens to it and it was a little quiet. I uh, This is literally my first experience editing a podcast, so I'm not going to pretend like I'm professional or perfect at it. So please, if you have any technical uh responses or questions about maybe brad sounds super loud and i sound quiet or vice versa or something like that please let us know because we're uh we're kind of learning as we go too so if that crosses your mind as you're listening please let us know um because i would love to try to adjust it accordingly whenever i edit as well good to know good to know so if you have technical feedback as well please send that in and we will do our best to accommodate um so once again thank you all very much for listening and bye from Corey. And bye from Brad, and we will catch you next week. See ya. Bye, guys.